Hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast. We're in week three of our uh, podcast series. Uh, we miss you guys. Hope you're having a great holiday season. Can't wait to be back with you in person uh, come January. But today we're going to be continuing our series, uh, Glass Ceiling, Taking the Limits Off of God. And today I have Dylan, Hannah, and Tiffany with me. We're going to be having a conversation about idols. And so buckle up. We're going to have a great uh, conversation, and I hope that it blesses you. If you have your Bible, bring it out. If you have your notepad, bring it out. And we're just going to jump right into this. So today, like I said, I want to talk to you about idols. And we'll be talking through a portion of Exodus 32 when the Israelites start worshiping an idol out of a golden calf. Trust me, this applies to us more than we would ever think. So uh, before we get into that, though, I want you to kind of bring you to a spot in my life growing up. I had a little, I had four brothers, but I had a little brother, Joey. I don't know if any of you guys shared a room with one of your siblings, but I shared a room with my little brother who's two years younger than me. And you can imagine growing up what our bedroom smelled like having two high school boys uh, sharing a room. And so my, my, uh, my mom would constantly make comments of like how bad our room smelled. Uh, she would then like tell us to clean our room, make sure that our clothes were clean and et cetera. But it was always so odd to me because when, when she would ask me to, cl- when she would tell us, I'm sorry, that our room smelled, I would walk into my room and I wouldn't smell anything. Like my bad smell was normal. And so I didn't, I couldn't identify the bad smell. And this kind of brings up an aspect of the series that we're in that sometimes you don't know what you don't know, or you don't smell what you smell all the time. And it's kind of this idea that we are familiar with how we see the world, that sometimes we need to be challenged in the way that we see the world. I was so familiar with my smell in high school, sharing that room, that I didn't know that it smelled terrible. And some of us have uh, secretly deep these deep down beliefs that are inconsistent with scripture, and we would never admit to them openly, but inwardly, deep down, there's things that we believe about God that are untrue. And the word of God, scripture, is, it, it's, it's God's word to divide and convict us and to help us think more like God. And so in the series Glass Ceiling, we're, we're kind of talking about exposing unspoken, unbiblical beliefs that we may have about God. And so this idea of glass ceiling is a term that's used more in the corporate world. Like it's an idea of a glass ceiling. It's a limitation. It's an unspoken limitation that is placed on a minority group. So in a, in a company, someone might say, well, a woman would never be the CEO or, you know, a Hispanic uh, guy will never be the manager or, you know, you name it. There's a minority group and there's this unspoken limitation that's in the culture. It's not in the rules. It's not in the laws, but it's everyone knows it to be true. And it's kind of this idea that we're playing off of that we are applying this term in the series to identify a few different unspoken beliefs that many people have about God that are limiting their growth. And so kind of the idea of a glass ceiling is that as you're, as you're climbing up a ladder, in a sense, you hit this barrier that's unseen. And these unspoken beliefs we have about God are limiting our growth because of our beliefs or because of our assumptions or misconceptions about God. And so we are often blind to what we are familiar with. I mean, you have it, right? You go to a, you go to like, maybe you go uh, to a Thanksgiving dinner with a friend or maybe with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe you go to a Thanksgiving dinner and this 
family go, does Thanksgiving like way different than you do. You're like, what are you guys doing? And then you, as the person who's hosting a friend, you're like, wait a minute, you guys don't do this? It's this idea that what we're familiar with, we're blind to. We think everyone does the things that we do. And so often that leads us as a human race, as people, to believe things and be familiar with things that are untrue. And so an unspoken belief that many Christians, including myself, have or have had is this phrase right here, okay? I don't have any idols. Now, if we were to press people and get them in a room and, and, and ask them, do you feel like you have any idols in your life? People would say, well, yeah, but the idea is that we don't live like we currently have idols. We have this idea that we're so familiar with things that left unchecked will continue down the path of the thoughts that we've always thought and believe in the things we've always believed and not changing the way we think when that's the main thing that God is instructing us and leading us to do is change the way that we see the world and then change the way that we see him and we think about him. And so we should ask ourselves right now, if you're listening, do I have any idols? So we're going to define that term because idols are not something that we uh, will commonly identify with or see in our culture. It's kind of a, a historic term. We don't necessarily have golden calves uh, lining up the streets and people aren't worshiping animals. Well, some people do. Tiffany loves to post about her dog, but we're not. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just throwing shade at Tiffany and her mic's muted so she can't respond. But that's a joke, okay? Tiffany loves her dog. But kind of the idea is we're not seeing these golden statues in culture. And so when we read about idols, we can often view them as something that doesn't apply to us. And I'd like to challenge us today by going to Exodus 32 that having idols may be more common and applicable than we might think. So let's jump right into Exodus 32. I'm just going to read it and then we'll break it down. So Exodus 32, 1 through 4. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So to kind of set this up, Moses was on Mount Sinai, and God was revealing himself to Moses. And that's this is when he was giving him the Ten Commandments and the people of Egypt, or the people, the Israelites, uh, who had just come out of Egypt, were becoming impatient with how long Moses was taking up on the mountain. And so they were complaining, and Aaron is Moses' brother, and he was kind of in charge of the Israelite people while Moses was gone. So Aaron answered them, verse 2, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, This is your God, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. So interesting. Like growing up, I heard this passage and the story being told so many times. And it wasn't until recently that I saw that Aaron in verse 4, he says that this is God. Like this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. So it's not that they were worshiping an idol. That's not what they were doing here. What they did was they made an image, a statue, and they claimed that this statue was the God who brought them out of Egypt. 
And so how does that apply to us today? So the people, instead of actually searching and desiring to know God, they settled for what was familiar or comfortable. And the idea is this, I, this uh, temptation is, is just as common and in, in, it's knocking on the door of our lives just as much now as it was then. We have not grown out of this temptation to define God in a way that's easy for us to understand. You see, back in that culture, statues and images, they had just come out of, come out of Egypt. And so it was very normal for people to worship and pay homages and, and offer incenses to animals and idols because that was the culture they were in. And so really what they were doing wasn't worshiping an idol, but they were they were projecting what they wanted God to be as the idol. Instead of knowing God who was up on the mountain, they settled for what was comfortable. And in doing so, they disobeyed God, committed a sin because they broke the second commandment, and they missed out on actually knowing God, which was God's desire in the first place. God's desire was for them to come up on the mountain but they chose to stay down and in turn stayed with what was comfortable or stayed with what was familiar. And this is a temptation that we all have, which is to take what is familiar and comfortable and normal and easy to swallow and to say that is what God's like. But what we find in the scriptures is that God is revealing himself through the scriptures. That the way that we find out what God is like is not by going to culture. It is not by going to YouTube videos. It's not by going to anything else other than scripture. Now, sometimes pastors and preachers can help us discover who God is through the scriptures, but even pastors and preachers can often misrepresent God through the scriptures. This is why it's so important. Like in 1 John, John is talking. He says, you don't need anyone to teach you, but the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you all things. There's a personal responsibility that every Christian has to be responsible for their faith and not to make excuses of what their pastor or preacher might say, but to go to the scriptures themselves and to say, God, who are you? What are you like? And to take our own preferences and offer them on the altar, um, taking our opinions and our perspectives, offer them on the altar of scriptures and saying, God, burn this up if it's not true. And so the point of this story is kind of like all of us have certain idols. And so, And what I'll define an idol as is a belief about God that is inconsistent with how God is revealed through Scripture. So an idol in this situation is a belief about God that is inconsistent with how God is revealed in Scripture. And so we can find ourselves in this story and oftentimes find that we often are settling for what's comfortable in the sense of how we see God and how we relate to God. And the beautiful thing about God's love and his mercy and his his faithfulness to us is that we live in a period of history where we can actually know the one true God. There aren't any barriers. Like Christ came and he tore the veil, he broke the separation, he paid the price, He brought us close so that we could know God on a personal level. And Jesus says that he's come to reveal the Father. So instead of having an idea of what maybe our family taught us about God, or maybe what our parents taught us about God, or maybe what our church growing up taught us about God, or maybe what our denomination taught, taught us about God, 
it's on us to go to God and say, you know what, God, I want to know you for who you truly are, and I am not going to take anything that that I believe for granted, and I'm going to offer it to you because I want to know you. Because that's the idea of Christianity is that we get to know God, but are we really knowing him if we're doing what the Israelites did? And we're just saying, you know what? I want to know you, but I want to know the version of you that I like. That is self-idolatry. That's pride at its, at, at its root. And it's so common among Christians, specifically in America. And I didn't want to have a conversation about it with us today. And I think if we do that, realizing that we might have some idols, and if we just think that thought and say, God, okay, God, show me where I'm missing it. And Christ, lead me to know you as you truly are it breaks that glass ceiling and it allows God to disciple us into mature Christians who love God and love people and, and value truth. And so I, I think what I'll get to in, in next here as we have about three minutes left is not left in the entire episode, but just left until we have a conversation. But like God knows this about humanity. Like he's very aware that we're bent towards comfort and, and, and familiar things it's the human condition and God's not mad or waving, like waving his finger at us. Like he's reached out to us. Like he's inviting us to be taught by him, to know him. So God's not mad that we might have some misconceptions or bad beliefs about him. He's inviting us into a life, a relationship through the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures to know God and to know Christ. And so the Christian life isn't about beating ourselves up over like what we don't know or maybe how we were raised. Like you don't beat yourself up about that stuff, but you are aware of it so that you can grow. The life of a Christian is to realize that we are familiar and comfortable. We love familiar and comfortable things and that God has created us to grow out of those familiar and comfortable things. And we must, I think just the, the Jesus says it is, we must be ready to pick up our cross deny ourselves and follow Jesus. God's love for us has, has, has worked through our bent towards this misunderstanding of God, and he's reached out to us in the midst of it. And as we grow in our, in our relationship with Christ and our understanding of God, it's something to keep in mind that I might have idols, most likely have misconceptions about God that are not true, that Christ wants to clarify for us. So as we go here, I'm going to share Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so as, as we close out here, I'll just say our goal and kind of the practical element here is we're looking to shrink the gap, okay? We're looking to shrink the gap of how I perceive God to be versus who God actually is. And so it's okay that there's a gap, but the Christian life is shrinking that gap, how I perceive him and who he is. And the way that we shrink the gap is by exposing ourselves to who God is in the scriptures and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us out of the error. Like he will lead us out of the air and he loves to do it. It's his joy to disciple and lead us. Another way, there's other multiple, you know, practical steps to it that maybe we can talk about in the conversation. But that's our goal is to shrink the gap and to confront these idols, confront these misconceptions so that we can live a life that is 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 abundant and full of good fruit. We're going to move into the conversation portion of the episode in the right now. And once again, I got Dylan DeGraw 
Hannah Vander Ark and Tiffany Maurer. And I almost said Mora. That was her maiden name. I don't know why I would do that. Anyway, so we're going to go into the conversation right now. So you guys, what do you guys think? Are there any, any thoughts that sparked any ideas or any questions that you guys have? Uh, let's have a conversation. Yeah, man. Um, first of all, I think one of the biggest things that you said, Jake, that stuck out to me is, you know, you're talking about um, how they were, you know, creating the golden calf and stuff. And you you said they were projecting what they want God to be onto the idol. That really stuck out to me um, just because I, I, I like looking at the definition of things. And if you look at the definition of idol, it's an object of extreme devotion. Um, and then if you look at devotion, it's an act of prayer or private worship. And, you know, the Bible clearly says that we need to be um, giving our worship to God. You know, that that's where it is. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so when we're looking at that statement that you said of they were projecting what they wanted God to be onto the idol, um, that really stuck out to me because usually it's like, okay, you're looking at the idol, you're looking at the object of your, you're worshiping that, you're worshiping that specific thing. But when you said that, that made me think, oh, when we're worshiping an idol, we're not worshiping the object, we're worshiping what we want. Hmm. <laughs> it made me, you know, think about that because, you know, we're all we're all seeking something, you know, love, hope, peace, guidance, you know, whatever it may be. And God is the ultimate source of all that. But when you look at the scripture in Exodus um, where they're making this idol, if you kind of look at um, before and after, you know, they're kind of in a place of impatience. You know, really, you know, Moses is up on the mountaintop, you know, he's with God, he's getting the Ten Commandments, you know, they have no idea what's happening up there, though, you know, they just know that time is passing, you know, their leaders up there, he's communing with God, you know, they're left on their own, you know, to kind of figure things out. And they're honestly in a place of impatience. And, you know, the things that Moses is talking about with God, you know, getting all the Ten Commandments, you know, they're all things that they want. You know, they're, they're looking for that guidance. They're looking for God's love. They're looking for God to direct them, you know, through the wilderness. Um, and so they're looking for things, but in their impatience, in their season of waiting, you know, essentially not, even though it's not that long, you know, it's not like they're waiting for a year or anything, you know, for Moses to come back down, but they're just in this season of waiting and they're being coming impatient. And so instead of waiting for God to provide, you know, that guidance and direction and the other things that they're looking for, they create this object and they start projecting all the things that they want onto that object. And so they're really, you know, worshiping their own ideals, their own ideas, the things that they want. They're worshiping their own thoughts, their own prayers, you know, when really we should be surrendering those things to God and giving those things to God. Um, you know, an idol can provide a temporary, you know, substitute for those things. You know, if you look at, um, you look, they got food, you know, say you take a dessert or sugar or something, you know, it tastes good, you know, but if you constantly feed on that, you know, you're going to gain fat and it's going to weigh you down. I know that all too well. <laughs> um, but in reality, you know, your body needs substance and, you know, sugar doesn't provide that real substance that your body needs. Hmm. And, you know, same way with like an idol, you know, an idol can provide a temporary, you know, fix for the things that we're looking for and longing for. 
but in reality, it doesn't provide that eternal, um, you know, that eternal fix, that eternal solution that God really provides. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was just one of the biggest things that, um, I think stuck out to me is just that I, that idea that we're projecting what we want onto something else, you know, and we're, we're not just worshiping that actual item, but just the things that we want. Hannah, Tiffany, what do you think about that? Yeah, I actually, as you were saying that, I'm like, I thought, you know, impatience and fear of being in the unknown. Like, where's Moses? Why isn't he back? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and allowing that fear to be like, okay, what is comfortable for us? What can we run to? Because he's not coming back. We don't know where he's at. And we're starting to be really unsettled because we don't what what's going to happen to us now. Right. So it's probably the easiest thing to do is make something for us to worship. What's our safety net? What can we run to that would make us feel safe? And that was due to like all, the fact that they didn't even have, they didn't have a relationship with God. Their relationship was through Moses, right? So, and, and that made me think of what Jake was saying earlier about like pastors and preachers, how, you know, it's very easy for us to go to them as our source and think, oh, we have a relationship with God because I'm being fed through this pastor. And it's like, no, you got to take that person out of the picture and actually have a relationship. Don't take me totally out of the picture, okay? I'm going to take you out of the picture, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And even, you know, like Jake, you've said this before, when, you know, pastors preach, bring it back to to the word, right? What does the word say about what, you know, whatever the speaker may have spoken on. So for me, I thought of impatience, fear, and being in the unknown. Yeah, I kind of thought the same the same thing. We're all kind of on the same wavelength there. But um, one of the questions I kind of wrote down was, why did the Israelites need an idol? And one of those answers was, instead of waiting for God, they wanted an answer. And I kind of brought it back to our self-reliance and how we can completely rely on ourselves to do whatever we need to do. Um And it really just comes back to that lie about God is that he's not trustworthy and that I can trust myself and my own um, ways of doing things over trusting God, right? I never struggle with that. That's never one of my things. Me (laughs) neither. But that's kind of what I I thought of. And I also kind of brought it back to, do we think that we're worthy of worship? Because essentially, if if you're relying on yourself, you're thinking that you're worthy um, and this is not to condemn or anything, <laughs> anyone that has one of these, but I see a lot of ads for shirts that say worthy on them. And it always makes me just pause and kind of almost cringe a little bit because I think what's missing from that shirt that just says worthy is worthy because of Christ or made worthy because of Christ. And if we're sitting in this idea that because God loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us, that means we're worth it, right? But maybe we need to look at it more of a way of God knew we would be worth it with Jesus. Even while we were still sinners, he sent him, but we weren't, we're not worthy, right? We're worthy because of Jesus. So we can't rely on what we're doing on our own self, you know, anything really, Um, so that type of, yeah, kind of what Dylan said of projecting what we want and kind of our prayers, I mean, they were taking it into their own hands. They weren't surrendering any of it to God. And that's an idol is self. 
so I mean I think most of the human race would would say at one point or another they have dealt with thinking of themselves as more important than God or more trustworthy than God. Yeah, so we're talking about the glorification of self or, you know, propping ourselves up in our own ideals and really worshiping ourselves. It's just saying, I know better, all the everything that you guys have said. So what are you what do you guys think? I want to kind of bring it into a practical level of maybe how each of us have maybe changed or adjusted the way that we think about God from maybe a uh, maybe we're all, you know, we're all in our upper twenties. And so maybe when we were in yeah, Tiffany's thirty. <laughs> One. 31. <laughs> but maybe when we were like, think about when you were in college or maybe in young 20s and maybe how you've changed a little bit of how you viewed God and how he's led you to think of him and what you believe about God is in a more biblical way. And so I'll kind of start off and I'm, I'm actually going to, as I'm telling my story, you can listen, but you can also be thinking of the ways that you've changed over time, maybe, and you've sacrificed some of the idols that you've maybe the unconscious, unspoken beliefs about God that were inconsistent with the Bible. And so for me growing up, I'll bring Abby into this too. So it's really interesting that Abby and I married each other. Um, she grew up in like a reformed home. So I don't know if you guys know about like church denominations, but reformed and like what Res Life believes, like we believe in like the same core truths of Jesus Christ is the only way to God and that he was born of a virgin and then that the Trinity and all the kind of the core beliefs, but a lot of the, you could say next tier beliefs. So about the baptism of the Holy spirit, about healing, about like God speaking to us about the sovereignty of God. All of these things are much different, just little nuanced and in, in different perspectives about how God interacts with the world. And so, like for me growing up at, you know, in Res Life, which Res Life has an amazing, amazing teachings, amazing theology, but it is bent one way. It's more of a charismatic Pentecostal view as opposed to a reform view. And so be, being married to Abby, we've, we got married and we're like, it's kind of like being, you just grow up and you're just familiar with your beliefs. And I remember thinking like growing up, especially in middle school, I thought everyone spoke in tongues. I was just like, wait, I remember talking to someone in high school and I was like, wait, because he's a Christian. You don't speak in tongues? He's like, no. I'm like, why would you not speak in tongues? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, and that that's not about God, but that's just an idea of when you're familiar and you're you're kind of in an echo chamber. That's a common word used in politics. But when you're in an echo chamber, you're you're limited to that perspective. And so for me growing up, I had a I had a, and I don't think that's because of res, I think it's because of human nature. And so this isn't against Pastor Dwayne or anyone, but I had a view of God that was very, in, in a sense, prosperity gospel driven. And I don't think that's because Rez teaches that. I think it's because of the human nature. I think your human nature latches on to one teaching and can make that the, the prop of your heart. And so I believe God wanted me to be blessed. God wanted me to be rich. God wanted me to, you know, never go through hard times and like that if I would stay in the will of God, that nothing bad would ever happen to me. Like I, deep down, I really believe that, like really believed that. And as I read the Bible and I listened to teachings and I saw people, I'm like, this is so not true. Like Paul literally was in prison and, you know, all these things that have happened, you know, John was boiled in water and, and, and all these things have happened to, to godly men and women. And it's not because they were outside of the will of God. It's because life happens to everyone and God's faithful in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so that's just a, a simple example of how I've maybe changed 
throughout maybe the years to have a more consistent view scripturally of who God is and how he interacts with us. And so I want to open up to you guys and maybe to mention some things that you've maybe grown in over the years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, the biggest thing that I've grown in, um, and I think sometimes is an issue for people, is actually thinking for myself and questioning things. Um, you know, I think so often we can just trust what's being told to us. You know, we can just trust what someone's saying from stage or what's being communicated to us. Um, and, you know, not saying that, you know, there's people out there that are, you know, obviously there's people that, you know, do say things that, you know, aren't accurate, but, you know, um, and not that we shouldn't trust leaders and stuff, but there's the aspect of just thinking for ourselves and question it for ourselves. You know, if we go back to Exodus, you know, the people looked to Aaron to provide them answers, to provide something for them. You know, they didn't think, you know, about things themselves. They didn't question things themselves. They didn't find their own solution. And so I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just, you know, looking at things as things develop in my life, as I get taught things, as I hear things, is just question it for myself and even just, you know, foundational beliefs. You know, I got talking to somebody um, a couple of years ago and somebody had a question of like, is tithing to the church biblical? You know, obviously tithing is biblical, but um, they're like, okay, does my tithe necessarily need to go direct to the church? You know, can I go and give it to like a missions, you know, organization stuff? And that, that made me question because like, I've never thought about that before. Like, I know tithing is biblical, but I'm like, oh, is tithing to the church actually biblical? Like, does it have to go to the church? And so, you know, I did some research into it and actually like thought about it for myself and like, you know, dove into the scripture and like, okay, you know, what does the Bible actually say about this? And so um, I think that's the biggest thing for me that I've just really grown in. And um, I think should just be a challenge for all of us is, you know, really just think about things, you know, take a moment, don't just take things, you know, at face value. Um, but really look at, okay, what is, what does this say? You know, like Hannah was talking about, you know, the worthy shirt, you know, you know, if you look at culture, you know, a lot of times you can just purchase something and it's like, oh, Hey, that looks cool. But it's like, oh, wait, what's really the meaning behind it? Or even like, what is the organization trying to say? Because, you know, there's so many organizations that, you know, there's hidden, you know, agendas and things, you know, behind them and stuff. And just like, you know, what are we supporting? What are we believing? And so, um, yeah, that, that's just been the biggest thing for me that I've grown in, you know, especially over the past few years is just like, you know, really taking time to think about things, think about things for myself. And just coming from a place of leadership where I am delivering messages and, and, and teaching people, I would never want people to take my word for something. I am a human being. And, and so that's just a great point of like, I don't think you know, sometimes we can say, well, the leaders want us to like take everything they say. And it's like, no, we don't. We want, we're doing our best to present God in a way that is consistent with scriptures, but we need, like, there's only 52 weeks in a year. And so there's only so much we can actually teach about God. It's, it's, it's the personal responsibility of the individual to pursue God in a personal relationship. But I'll kind of send it to maybe Hannah or Tiffany, like any ways that you've grown over the years and maybe you've changed maybe what, what you believe about God over the last few years. Yeah. I actually kind of going off of that. I mean, I've, been a believer for four years so I don't have you know 28 years of <laughs> you don't have all the religious baggage <laughs> I don't have all the religion it's been a very I, I feel very blessed to not have religious baggage um but something that I've learned especially in the last probably year has been not relying 
on the leadership or the voices in my life as much as I used to. And thinking that if I have a friend or a mentor that says something like, you know, they'll they'll give me encouragement, but they'll also say, also say you know, go to the word and spend time with God. Thinking of that as a rejection, I, I would usually think of it as they just don't want to talk to me. I don't understand why they don't want to give me all the answers. Why don't they want to give me all the answers? Well, really, their answer is go to the word about it. So what I've been doing a little bit more is relying more on my relationship with the Lord instead of other people's relationship. And um, not to get into a very long story, but I had kind of a, I would say a vision. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but of what my spirit looked like. Actually, Tiffany asked me to ask the Lord and um, I begrudgingly did it. <laughs> and what it was, was this, this fish on the, on the shore, not in water, just kind of flopping there. And, and occasionally it'd get hit by a wave and then the wave would go back to the ocean. And, and another part of it is that fish, you know, fish have eyes on either side, right? So like if you're laying flat, you see up, that's all you're seeing. And the fish looking at the birds and just wondering like, why the heck can they breathe? And I, and I can't. And the Lord kind of showed me in that moment of like, you're letting people splash you every now and then with their water and give you that little bit of encouragement every now and then, but you're not letting me pull you into where you actually have life with me. And that's been just, well, that just wrecked me for, for a very long time, but <laughs> has been something that I've been trying to grow in is, is relying way more on him, not myself, and especially not my mentors or leaders um, that are speaking into my life. Because it's very good to have mentors, but there definitely has to be a balance that I'm, I'm learning. That's awesome. Yeah, I think... Tiff, anything? I'm, I mean along the lines of both of you guys <laughs> it's a balance right of um not that there's anything wrong with having people that you look up to or mentors speakers but searching out the word yourself I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church um where the pastor yelled all the time and it sounded like he was angry um and then the messages that were given to me was of like this very angry God who would um, condemn you for like your behaviors and all that and, and it, it made it like a very you know very scary god you can't approach this god you like he's just angry with you and with the world and um it was scary to ask questions because when I would ask questions I would feel like I was defying god and being like well, I don't want to get on his bad side you know um and just getting that freedom of when you do search out the word and you get to read on God's character and get to see multiple, you know, the loving side of him and, and, and the wrath part of it, it's like, it's not even him. It's just, he can't stand sin. Like he's just such a good God, perfect God, that sin can't coexist with perfection. So just having that understanding when I would read the word of like, God is not an angry God. Like, he yeah he probably gets upset at things but like but he's very he's loving and he wants what's best for me for other people and I was just telling them earlier like I was reading um Ezekiel and I got to chapter 18 and that whole book in itself is kind of heavy <laughs> it's on Israel and um they were worshiping idols and um they were just living a very 
poor life. And it, it pretty much says it, God is telling them, please repent. It almost sounds like, please repent. I don't want any of you to perish. Like, please step away from that. Allow me to give you a new heart, new mind, and 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 repent so that you can live. I he it says along the lines of like I don't want, like why would I want you to die? And even at like when I think of my childhood leading up to them, like I always grew up still like still thinking like, man, God wants why why would God do such things to people? And it's like it's not people; it's sin that leads them to death. And God really is a loving God and and just realizing that it's okay for me to ask him questions. He's not going to be mad at me for asking questions. Um, if anything, it's it's like when you're having a conversation with a friend and you're getting to know them more, right? You're like, okay, tell me more about yourself. Like why? Or, or whatever it is, right? And it's just, it's brought a lot of freedom for me of just not living fearfully of approaching God because that is a, definitely a way for Satan to use to to cause you to be divided between your relationship with him, you know, with God. That's really good. So we're kind of at uh, towards the end of our time. And so, yeah, it's already been 25 minutes. And so kind of the, the way I want to end this episode is maybe just one thought, kind of one closing thought from this. It could be a, a thought that piggybacks off of something that we've already talked about, or it could be a completely new thought that you wanted to talk about that you didn't have time to talk about earlier. So what we'll say is try to keep it to between 30 seconds to a minute, and we'll just kind of go with one final thought. And so my final thought to give you guys a little bit more time to discover your final thought. My final thought with this idea of having idols in, in really moving into a personal relationship with God where he disciples you out of error. Okay. My last thought is do not focus on other people's error. As you discover your own idols, it's, it's very comforting to find other people's idols. Don't do it. God will lead other people out of their sin. He'll lead their, the other people out of their error. Now, if you're in a close relationship, we've talked about relationship circles. If they're in your three to four, you can have that conversation in a loving and honoring way. But with most people, most people in your life, God has not given you the assignment of the corrector of errors. And so my encouragement is as we continue to pursue Christ and we get taken out of error, leave it at that. Praise God for saving you and be gracious and prayerfully love people in the midst of their error. As you see it, it might not even be error. It just might be your pride. So there you go. Yeah, I guess uh, my final thought is in Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and and perfect. And the definition of transformation is an act, process, or instance of transforming or being transformed. And so that transformation is an act. You know, when we have, when we realize these idols that we have in our life and the things that we're putting before God, um, it's not going to change overnight. They're not going to go away just like that, you know, just disappear. It's an act on our part. And so you guys, we need to make that decision and we need to put forth the effort to make those changes in our life where we're putting God first, where we're putting all of our needs, all of our things that we um, are going on in our life and surrender those to God and make that choice. Um, and so, yeah, it's an act. We got to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, I would say um, being vulnerable and being open to share 
with people that you like you said that are in your circle that you truly trust some of these idols that are in your life I think sometimes we we feel condemned and uh, condemnation on on you know my gosh I can't believe I'm idolizing this or, or whatever it may be um and when you keep it in the darkness it's like there's no one that can help you keep you accountable so important bring it to God right so that he can bring inner healing but bring it to people that you trust so that they can keep you accountable um, whenever you're uh, tempted to praise whatever that idol is. Um, uh, I know I've had Hannah like contact me a few times, be like, hey, you know, whatever the situation may be. And I'm like, yeah, I got you. And um, and we just we just help each other out. Right. So and not to be fearful, like if you're going to someone that you trust, there should no, no judgment. Right. All in love. Like Jake was saying. Um, so vulnerability, I think, is very important. And I thank Tiffany for her services. <laughs> Does she charge you? She doesn't, not yet. She She's early into it, so, you know, she might start charging after a while. Let's give her all those cupcakes. <laughs> all right. So um, my last thought was something that I had to do or kind of came up when I was thinking about this topic. Um, I think it's hard for us to identify idols um because one we probably need to broaden our perspective of what worship is and that's not just a song it's not just being on your knees in prayer like there are a lot of definitions of worship so that's something to research listener and and myself but the other question that kind of came up for me is what am I most afraid to lose and that brought up a lot of things for me and if I get to that question and I figure out, wow, I'm really like, let's say friendships or my family or, you know, a certain person, maybe it is, um, or money it could be one of those, you know, taking a look at that and actually thinking, will you ultimately be okay if you lose blank tomorrow? And the answer is always yes. But also saying, will you ultimately be okay if you lost God tomorrow? And that answer is always no. So putting that into perspective of in your life, like trying to find an idol, if just asking, what am I most afraid to lose right now? And if it's not God, then you might have something before God in your life. And that just really helped me out. So that's awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Excess Podcast. We'll be on next week for our last episode. Tiffany, Hannah, Dylan, thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank Have you. a great night. We're out, San Diego.